0: For years, we thought that 2003 was the best year of all time. <sighs> God, what a joke. 2003, my last year of high school, was one of the worst years of all time. Well, actually, it was kind of a combination of them both. It was like the best year and the worst year. It was the best of times. It was the bluest of times. Where's my underwear? There it is. I'm just going to change here in the backyard. So... The year actually began in late 2002 and me and Jess had just gone through a little period which was sort of like really awkward and she didn't like me and she wasn't coming back. So what was I to do? There was nothing I could do. So I just had to leave it and you know the songs of late 2002 like... um, i forgotten what the song's called My eyes, they cannot see All the boys that are cute. It Just Won't Do by Tim Deluxe And uh, Round, round, baby Round, round, spend the night on me By the Sugar Babes Plays on Woolworths Radio now um, You know, they really evoke This like late, late 2002 era I mean, this was the modern era You know, September 11th Happened a year ago Internet speeds are getting faster you have beyond your childhood, like you've gone through your first real deep breakup and yep, so here we are, we're in the modern era. And this is all the setup for 2003. 2002 had been a pretty mediocre year, it was like a really, a, a downer of a year. Me and Brody, my best friend, had had this sort of um, great connection year, it was a big year for us, but also sort of a, like a corny year. The year before, Whereas everything sent new at and Modman, you'd found a girl who could show you different ideas and different music and cool music. 2002, even though it was a consolidation of me and Brody... Oh, excuse me. Uh, it really wasn't that good. I mean, Phil Collins became the big guy for that year. And Gary Newman was the man for 2003. Gary Newman, for God's sake. God. Anyway. Uh, 2002 basically came to an end in this, well, as it was closing, it was coming to an end in this horror kind of state, year 11 at high school, feeling really, really lost. And then suddenly this bug came in to me. I didn't like drinking, I didn't like people who use drugs. You don't need that kind of stuff, I thought. I'd never tried alcohol in my life. I judged people very harshly if they drank, actually. didn't like them, didn't want to hang out with them. I remember going to the year 10 prom and everyone was drinking afterwards. I wasn't. I wasn't going to have a drink. Why do you guys need to drink? Jesus, Sean, have you ever tried alcohol before, you idiot? No? Well, how the hell can you judge? Mate, the following year, 2002, I finally drink for the first time. November the 30th, 2002, we go out to the... Oh, so I'm just getting into this going out zone. I just. I need to get out. The bug's kicked in. And on this day we go up to play golf. Abby Lund's with us, Matt Paul. And I had three gym beams and I was off my face. And I remember yelling out to Matt, Matt, why didn't you tell me how good this was? Suddenly, something had clicked in me. It was like, oh, right. Alcohol's actually the coolest thing in the world. And I need to drink more of it. So This bug that had come into me in 2002 of I've got to get out and I've got to have a good time or whatever, it suddenly turned into something brilliant because alcohol now added to all of this. I remember in very late 2002 going over someone's house and getting drunk or drinking a bit. And I said, you know what? I'm dead serious. This is only like the fifth time I've ever drank in my life. I wonder how many times that that is up to nowadays. So 2002 actually came to an end in a, in a wave of optimism. Uh, sure, Jess wasn't with me, but there was this idea that maybe, just maybe, things could be okay. That things might click, especially going into your last year in high school. I mean, don't all the girls go for people who are a bit older? I mean, Brody said to me, you know what? Now, we're the oldest in the school, and the girls will go for us. Mate, let me tell you now, I was never popular then. I'm not popular now. I've never been in with the girls ever. (laughs) I mean, how, when are they gonna start liking me? (laughs) My friend Debbie, she likes the older guys. I'm like, what, I'm gonna have to wait until I'm like 50 until I get popular. 2003 begins in pretty average style. I can't really tell you much about it. So, 2002, me and Brody. I've always wanted to do acting. I like filming stuff. So we did a sketch comedy, which you can find on your YouTube clip in two thousand two, just before my seventeenth birthday, uh, of a movie that we did, a half-hour short called Next Year, a really shitty comedy in which we speak in that stupid voice that we used to like the year before. We spoke. Uh, good evening, uh, how you doing? And pretty good, things. Hey, better. Like I remember Brody saying to me quite recently. He said. Jeez, God, I wish we didn't talk like that. Exactly. It was really of its time. I mean, there's a couple of funny parts in it, but it's mostly like novel to just look back on and say, hey, we did that. So we did that, and some people in our class said, "Oi, you, um, you should do a sequel. And we finally did. And we called it Wankers Anonymous. Now, the thing is, I filmed that in early 2003, and the songs that were popular with me at the time, one of them was Brim Full of Asher, Fatboy Slim, and uh, like I can watch that scene of mine again, although you know I've lost the tapes, um, and I just feel this this ickiness of that shit. Period. You were listening to that, God, Brody's looked back and he said, God, mate, we wasted our youth, and we did. Could be out trying to be cool, kick picking up girls, listening to cool music, trying to do well at school, and there I was making a sketch comedy. Doing a dance to brim full of Asher, my God! It anyway, it does. If you could find this tape and watch it, you'd look at it and think, "Yeah, that's that's very much of the era." See, two thousand and three. Me and Brody, who we've we stated for years that it was this magical, mystical year, and in the years since, I sort of have looked back on it upon and said it's a very Prime year, it's a very key year, and yet it just, it doesn't hold up. It does not hold up. And Wankins and Honest is a great example of that. That would have been filmed in, say, March 2003, ballpark figure. And we had bought GTA Vice City, so Vice City was slowly kicking in, but there was just something lacking. It wasn't, hadn't really kicked in yet. When we talk about 2003, what are we talking about? 2003 was, um, it was a year of... Greatness in drinking and friendship, but nothing else. I didn't do well at school, did horrible at school. It didn't start, What the year didn't start well, I just had the boring kind of feel. It was like 2002 ended in this kind of strong note of let's embrace cricket and alcohol and friends and it sort of, it sort of just sort of t- simmered along for a few months. And it wasn't until April 2003 that this Cambrian explosion happened and Suddenly, I was going out with the soccer group and we were drinking and having a good time. I remember going over Tyron... Fuck, I forgot his name. Tyron... Shit. I have forgotten his name. Well, no, you know. Tyron. Tyron's house, And we, uh... Oh, mate. You drink from the bottle, the gym beam from the bottle. Mate, we used to wag school and go to uh, KFC. You know, you'd say stupid, shitty jokes because we love GTA Vice City... We'd, we'd get to KFC and we say, Oi, I'm just going to type in a code so I can get into a car and we can go through the drive through Brody just got his licence, so he was able to drive at some point that year, driving an old 1989 Falcon. Um, I taped some songs off CD onto a tape and played it in the car. And it was played at, like, <laughs> like not half speed, but about three-quarters speed. So all the songs were just that little bit slower. <laughs> wagon having kfc there was a locker up up oh you were able to s- go upstairs now like year 12s were allowed to be on the third level there's three levels at Armour high school but the 11s and 12s could stay on the third level so that's where we hung out all the cool groups still hung down their side the soccer group hung out hung down the other side i remember getting a good view down at the courtyard I Could see some hotties walking around um and uh there was a locker there. It's become legendary. Locker 41. It was one of the only lockers that didn't have a lock on it. So we just opened it up and we threw our rubbish in there just constantly. I remember opening it up one day and just this pile of rubbish fell out, fell down. Locker 41, Willie Armour, Brilliant stuff. So 2003 did have this really good air of optimism about it. When I think about 2003, I think of Friday afternoon being in Brody's car... Just Wag School, just had KFC, we're driving back, and we're listening to, say, uh, one of the popular songs that I liked at the time, like uh, Split Ends' I Got You, which, incidentally, also plays on Woolworths radio. Um, And, like, I'm there now if I think about that. But here's the thing. That was what 2003 was. It was all anticipation. It was all expectation. And in a moment of that, they're often the happiest points. Like I watched Christmas Vacation the other day and it, the movie doesn't even show Christmas Day. It shows Christmas Eve. It shows all the way up to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a significant thing. You hang around the family sort of thing. Last minute shopping is always on the 23rd. It never is never on the 24th. Really, Christmas starts in the evening of Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. And and probably goes, for me at least, until a little bit after lunch the next day. Then, then after that, then I'm free to go into whatever I want. And often I'll watch a crazy, bizarre movie like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Or um, Enter the Void on, this, on, on, on the night of Christmas. Because to me, Christmas does not extend past the part of the afternoon. Likewise, 2003 was all Anticipation. And the actual event rarely lived up to expectations. I'll go into that in a second. Um, so mid part of the year, and here's the real depressing part. I remember I went to school and mum was talking to one of my teachers and it just, it, you know, they were saying how poorly I was doing at school. And mum said, look, it's just four months for the rest of your year, for, for the four months of this year, and it was just, it'll be for the rest of your life. You know, please, please put in. Oh, I hate talking about this, because I didn't. I failed. I, it was. I don't even want to talk about it. I embarrassed myself, and I'm embarrassed for it. There's something about 2003 that's just not cool. Phil Collins, uh, you know, Cricket 2002 was the big thing. I mean, I wasted my life. I could have been cool. I want to be like Jean-Michel Basquiat, or Damien Albarn, or or Brian Mulco from Placebo. And I look back at my beginnings and origins. I wasn't cool. I didn't pick up with girls. I wasn't funny, I was I was unmemorable. I I mean you can always get better in your life, but So this is what I feel for two thousand three. There is this epic greatness that did happen in that year, but it plummeted very quickly. And yeah, it really did. There was an incident with Sarah Trinari which happened, which is the most Horrifying, embarrassing moment of my lifetime. Just to this day, I, I'm ashamed of myself. <sighs> and then, um, you know, the yes, it fell apart, man. Like September is when it started to slowly disintegrate. How many times can you get drunk? I, I always used to go out and try and break my record for as drunk as I could possibly get. Well, there's a limit to how drunk you can get, man. And I hit it. There were several times when Dad would pick me up. They finally put a curfew on me. They'd pick me up and you could tell how drunk I was. Oh, my God. It was so humiliating. Mum could tell how drunk I was. My 18th was apparently good, but looking back, I don't, you know, it was what it was. But it really fell apart as the year sort of continued on. I realised I didn't really like Matt Paul. He was... uh, pretentious in some way it's difficult to put my words on into so he was the kind of guy who i remember when he become my friend in late o two. uh that he felt like as long as he's around he can inject some greatness into whatever you're doing greatness beckons you can go to one of those golf days we went to a uh a work function christmas function style thing uh in late 2002 and matt came along we had a great time just having matt there just added something and Brody was my best friend. But by July 2003, I reckon Matt just got to the number one position. But it's not like he did it emphatically. It wasn't anything emphatic. It was a slow, creeping build-up. And I thought, you know what? We had a good weekend, though. I'm, he probably just gets to number one. And I found that a little bit concerning that that's how he got to number one because he always felt like greatness was around. Nope. And it all completely capitulated as, as 03 continued on. I remember... Uh... Yeah, and the song that sums it up, uh, what's it called? Oh, baby, Extreme Ways by Moby. Like, I had heard that in the Bourne, one of the Bourne movies the previous year. And I finally was able to buy it on CD. And I remember listening to it this particular Friday. And I think I just pretended to be a bit sick because I didn't want to go over to Nan and Pop's place down in Mildura Mildura Drive and spend the weekend. I wanted to go over to Brody's and Matt and get blind drunk. And I remember giving him a call saying, yeah, well, we'll see how we go tomorrow. I was really hoping that maybe we wouldn't go and that I could go over and get pissed with them on Saturday. And I remember listening to that song. I was starting to feel a bit better. I don't know if I was really that sick. And uh, I think I was faking it mostly. And um, I mean, we did go to Mildura. We went the next day. That's the only thing. And I remember listening to that song, Extreme Ways, thinking, this is the next Cars. Cars by Gary Newman had been song of the year in 03. Boomin'. That is 2003, that song. And it's still a great song. But the next song I thought is going to be Extreme Ways by Moby. And I remember listening to it quite a few times that day, that evening. And it lost its luster just immediately. By the end of the weekend, I couldn't. I was done. I was like, no. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's a good song. It's just doesn't have that replay value. What is in a song? What makes you love a song? There's some songs that are better than others, but you don't end up liking that song as much as this song. Take, for example, Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz. Mate, it's a good song, but it's probably not better than, you know, I don't know, one of your favorite songs, whatever. But because it's so relentless, that relentless beat, it's like, no, I find like I can listen to that over and over. Here's the thing. Extreme Ways by Moby, I've very rarely listened to it since 03. And that is the epitome of 03. It was this letdown year. Jess did not fall in love with me again like she did the previous year. And she, I fell in love with her in 01. And in 02, she sort of briefly came back. And I was hoping again, hopefully in 03, she'll do the same thing. Nope, didn't happen. And after that Sarah Trinari incident, I haven't spoken to her ever since. Um... It was a year of all build-up and letdown. There were no girls that came added into my life. Toby Clifton and Matt Paul were the other good friends around me, but they sort of disappeared after that. I didn't see Toby in 04, and Matt and Brody left for Townsville the following year, but we'll get to that. He uh Brody's great. Brody always remained great. But not that this taints him in any way. O three was one of his strongest years, but I'm I'm a bit disappointed that Milno didn't get a few more years in Broken Hill afterwards because that really would have shaped who he could have been and my memory of it all. Instead, there's this sort of pre-2004 era feeling to him sometimes when I, when I look back on that. And uh, Milno deserves, I mean, when I think of Milno in a slightly more modern context, <laughs> slightly more modern, uh, I went up to Townsville and, on the 06 trip, and there was Brody. And there he is. He's flat out in this modern era, the 2006 era. and That's how I wish I, I, wish I either went up there with him or he stayed in Hill because those were some missing years that we would have had our peak years in sort of thing. Brody was really hitting his peak in 2003. Um, and everything just seemed to be a letdown. Every movie, the Matrix series movies came out. The Matrix was a harbinger of uh, of 1999. It was one of the movies. And then the sequels were coming out and they were both letdowns. And Terminator 3 came out that year, yes, continuing the Terminator thing. Terminator 3, no. There's this sort of a look and a feel to 2003 which is indescribable to me now. Well, it's indescribable to say, but you can feel it. Bruce Almighty came out that year. Jim Carrey's back with a new comedy. We sort of all liked these movies at the time, but now looking back on it, it's just this horrible feeling that I get. I don't, I really don't like it. And it took me a a very, very long time to realise this. Because into 2004, I I didn't really, at the time, I didn't really view 2003 that great. And it's only in 2004, once it sort of was left behind, that I realised, you know what? 2003 was the greatest year of all time. But... It took a long time for that sort of to be challenged. There's something I was going to say there. I forgot what it is now. Um, it took a long time for it to be challenged. And uh, 2004 was considered the, the, the bad year. After the greatness of 2003, there was an enormous drop in 2004. And 2005 was the saviour. That's how I viewed these things. Yeah, I remember now. So, but it wasn't until... Mate, it was only a few years ago. 2017, 2018 possibly 2019. I doubt it would have been 2018 maybe. And I wanted to revisit 2003. By this point, there was some chinks in the armour, but it was still ranked in my top three favourite years. But there was something about it that was sort of a bit bleak about it. So I thought, you know what, what I'm going to do in 2018, let's just assume it's 2018. I'm going to play some music from 2003 And I'm going to get in the pool and I'm going to drink vodka cruises just like I did years ago. Done. Vodka cruises. Got me vodka cruises. And it felt like 2003. Mate, it's funny how much you can get into an era if you want to. I mean, if it's a very distinctly built era in your mind of your life... You only have to recreate a few things and you can get back into that zone. Now I started drinking in the afternoon and I played all the old classics. Love stars with the rich and the famous. And everybody, move your feet and move your body. And I got into the zone and the sun was slowly setting. I was drinking my vodka cruises. And this, this is what happened. Well, it's nothing that profound to put into words. I mean, it's difficult to put into words, but it was fucking profound when I felt it. As the, it turned into nighttime, my mind started going to this really weird negative place. I remember the next day saying that, you know, I came to peace with 2003. I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about that day, clearly. What really happened was my man, mind went into some, I can't put this into proper words. Let's just call it a negative mind space. It was this really trippy world where you're in this time loop in your mind. You've gone back to 2003. And, it, you know, if I went back in time to 2018 and I said to myself, well, okay, Sean, is it a positive feeling or a negative feeling? I probably would have had to have said negative. You don't like to admit these things, but that's what it is. When I watched the Matrix Revolutions and Reservoir, well, I don't know, the two Matrix sequels back in the day, I wouldn't have been able to admit to you that I didn't dislike it because I said, oh, well, it was always meant to be a trilogy. It took me years to finally admit that those movies were shit. (sighs) They're entertaining to a certain point, but they were such letdowns, really. And sometimes it can take you years for for you to notice it. And just recently, I finally realised that 2003 was all build up and no payoff. That night when I was listening to the music, I went into this awful feeling. And I remember waking up the next day and just being happy to be out of it. I remember picking up my vodka cruisers from the pool, communal pool, by the way, and um, putting them in the bin. And I didn't, I just, all I just said was, yep, okay, I feel like I've understood, I've accepted 2003 now and I moved on. But now looking back, nope. 2003 was all anticipation and no payoff. Yes, there was great uh, camaraderie with Brody, Toby and Matt, but Matt fell off badly. Um... Toby, I don't remember what really happened, he, but he disappeared in 2004 and Brody, you know, left with Matt for Townsville in 2004. In late 2003, I went to Steve Leo's place for a huge party. Now, he just moved in. It was kind of like a housewarming slash Christmas party. And we had a texter, or for you people in Townsville, a Nico, and we were riding on the back of his bathroom door. And I remember thinking that this party was going to be like a, the appropriate send-off to 2003. And we wrote, you know, I was there at Steve Leo's party, 12th of the the 11th, 03. And I intended to get really, really drunk and really have a good time. And even though the night wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination, I remember actually getting in a taxi and buying more alcohol with Matt and we came back to the party and whatever. I remember there was a point where we were sitting down and I was drinking and everyone was, they were just talking. There was no rapturous anything. It was, Aren't we supposed to... Like, you know, you've seen... Watch the movie Project X, 2012 movie. Uh, or 2013, I don't know. 2011, whatever. Uh, 2010, who knows. Uh, think of uh, the American Pie movies, the huge parties. That's what I expected. Instead, here we are, sitting around. I've just got my alcohol, got more alcohol, my UDLs, or Roger Cruises, whatever. And there I am, sitting there, and I, th- I just remember thinking, oh well, th- what else are we going to do? Are we going to get drunk or what? The night was a misalomer. It, it was a nothingness of a night. And I remember the next day or whatever, I remember afterwards thinking, "Geez, we wrote all those things on his door. Like, I hope he paints over that because that night was completely unmemorable. And that's what 2003 was. The, uh, the Year 12 farewell, whatever, I remember my mum said she was so happy to get tickets. And like she only just got tickets at the last moment. She said, oh, Sean, I'm that happy that I was able to get that so I can spend some time with you. She said the next day how deeply concerned she was for how, much, how quickly I was drinking. Drinking vodka, no, no, uh, Woodstocks. Just throwing them down. She said she was deeply concerned. And I remember thinking, gee, so your mum went to this party like at the entertainment centre in Broken Hill And you didn't act normal. I just got drunk. Like I was drinking as fast as I could, throwing them down. Your mum's that happy to go there. It's a success story. And then you do that. I don't even remember what happened that night. It was a shit end to the year. And to finish off, um, I remember New Year's Eve 2003. And I remember filming my cousin, Truman Keenan. Now, he was born in August of 1997 and I was filming him, he's a little kid running around. I thought I'll film this and in the years to come it'll be cool showing this. I mean, imagine what it's gonna be like when he's 16, 17, 18. And I remember saying, Oh, he'll probably be picking up the girls. Mate, he's 24 now at the time of recording. I don't know where that tape's gone. It's just like the future happened. You have to move on. A kid who was born on that day, well, i will be 18 in a couple more days. <laughs> but anyway, 2003 was such a long time ago that someone who was born then is now 18. I work with a girl who was born in 2003. She's 18. She's cooler than me. It's like time moves on. You're into the future and this is the future. You don't think it looks that futuristic, but mate, this is what the future looks like. And I wish I could almost say that to myself back then. Like, 1985, mate. You might think it feels like ages ago, but I'm sure if you went back there, it'd be the same thing. Like I look around and I don't feel like any times passed at all. So I go over Matt Paul's house. I have a big dinner, and we go. I go over Matt's, and he immediately gets shots into me, and I vomit it up. You know, vomit up my dinner. So there goes the good dinner that I had. And I remember going to Tyron Craft. Tyron Craft. Yeah, Tyron Craft. South. Two thousand and three had been great at his house, drinking so much. I remember Milno pissed in one of the, the uh, one of the um, you know Jim bean bottles, whatever, and some people were drinking from it off <laughs> uh, classic Milne. but I remember going over there this time, and it was late by the time we went over there, and new year's passed into from 03 into four, and we were actually in the taxi, so we weren 't actually at Tom Craft's House as the party, as the, you know, clock clicked over to midnight. We were in the taxi. I remember much more of that night. I do remember a bit. Just the, the year started off in this really shitty Phil Collins corny way and it ended in this disaster. I remember a couple of months earlier, Jess had gone over Matt's house and I was still in this point of really desperately wanting her and nothing I could do was working. Oh, God. It's not a pleasant, if I was in that position now, you'd just walk away or whatever, but I was, you know, you still believe that you're the centre of the universe, that God will somehow look after you, or that, you know, something will happen, and uh, it didn't, and I remember just tipping Woodstock over my head, just going, oh, fuck this, tipping it all over my head. Jeez, how many girls do you reckon you impress with that? Getting drunk is a good and fun thing, but getting too drunk, it no longer impresses girls. And that's how I love to be. Still love it. So 2003 just came to end in this really shitty way. 2004 rolls on. I want to save some money, so I'm drinking beer. I start drinking beer, 4X, whatever. And uh, it's funny. Now the veneer of lustre has lost. Now you're no longer in high school. you no longer see Jess anymore. You're no longer hanging out with those people. They never... You never changed. You never turned into a cool guy. You know, you often hope like it's going to be like an American pie finish where someone, uh, it's a success to her in some way, but it, it wasn't. No one thought I was cool by the end. No one cares about me. They still don't now. You know, it's been years since Facebook's been on the, on the scene. None of them have added me on Facebook. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I remember 2004 drinking a bit too much over at Paul's house, and I got home. Mate, let's just say, just put it quietly, I didn't want mum and dad to know how drunk I was, so I just went straight to bed, even though I needed to go to the toilet for a number two. Let's just say I soiled the bed, and I had work to go to the next day. It was horrendous, truly horrendous. And I think this goes a long way to describing why I thought of 2004 as the worst year of all time. But really, 2004 was the transition. You had to go through this last little part of shittiness. And there's a few songs that echo how I was feeling at the time. In early 2004, the popular song at the time was Mad World by Gary Jules. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. And at the time, it really felt like a, like a coda. To 2003 and we're into this new world now this this brave new world and uh yeah it it, it kind of was and yet now I look back on uh, on that song now and I feel actually if anything I feel sadness because so much time has gone by my mum mum and dad are in their mid late 60s my grandfather passed away recently at the, at the age of 97 and all you can look back and I hear that song and I think gee I wish it was 04 again like who would say that? Like the girl at work would say, "Dude, I was turning one. I'd prefer it to be now in this cool era." And um, I all I feel like doing is going back to that era and just starting my life and just saying, "Hey, I want to be an actor. Let's let's go for this now." Mum and dad are still relatively young. You know, you've got your youth. You consider you know the key years of your life to go. I've, I just feel depressed. And. 2004 went on, and things didn't really get much better. I remember I was hanging out with an ex-girlfriend for a while, Helen Beggs. Uh, and I go over her house, we watch the McAuliffe. I remember watching the incomplete Sean McAuliffe, which was a DVD set. And now looking back on it, I mean, that's the epitome of just shit. Like, that's, that's on par with Phil Collins stuff, man. Just shit. What kind of self-respecting person would, would watch that kind of stuff? I'm not saying that it was bad. I mean, it's good for a laugh and a comedy, but I don't know. Imagine getting the boys around on a Saturday night we'll watch some of this. It's like, oh, no, no. So uh, in the end, Brody said that uh, oh, my mum uh, has had a fight with her sister and she wants to live with her brother Guy in Townsville. And suddenly it dawned on me, that's what I need to do. I need to go with Brody and move up to Townsville. I said this to Matt and Matt said, yeah, mate, that's, that might be an idea. And I remember feeling booming and beaming about it. And I went into mum at work. I said, mum, I thought this would be a good place to tell you here at work, we'll have a bit of a chat. Mum said it was the most ridiculous idea she'd ever heard and that she was angry that I brought it up at work because this would be a big conversation and I'm at work, I've got to do work. I, even now I feel embarrassed going back to that moment. Ugh. I just so misjudge things so often. If you're ever wondering why I'm a bit of an introvert or I'm a little bit quiet, is because I want to say something a bit funny or do something and I'm just so far removed from reality that it'll just embarrass myself. So I've I've done it before and I'm not interested in doing it again. So anyway, mum, I you know, I need to have my parents' blessing or I need to feel good about things. You can you can easily make me feel bad about things. And Mum had done that, and I was like, no, I'm not going to go. Matt decided to go up with Brody. So they both moved together. And I remember Pete Murray was popular in 03, and one of his latest, latest songs, which came out in early 04, was Bail Me Out. And listening to that song, I can still feel, still feel the, the vibes of 2004 and the idea of them going to Townsville. And they did. And I was stuck in Broken Hill. And looking back, I mean, sure, at the time, mate, here's the thing, everything is mental. Like, it's mental, it's a mentally thing. You know, your your whole world that you live in is that. There was this dream, the idea of Townsville. If you went back to me then and said, where would you rather be Broken Hill, Townsville? It would have been Townsville every day of the week. Townsville is a lot better than Broken Hill, but in terms of brilliance, no. Every place is just what it is. This is why they say, you know, go on a holiday but don't want to go there to live because if you live there, it just become a normal place. And that's what Townsville's become to me. Uh, and now I just, I'd love to live in Melbourne, Fitzroy. I'd love to visit Broken Hill a hell of a lot more times. There is something atmospheric about it. Uh, so then I was looking hugely towards Townsville when really I was having the best time of my life or is about to. I didn't realise this until much later. So Brody and Matt leave. And I do have a bit of a difficult period. But, uh, you know, I wanted to do acting. So I did some... I, I made some sketches. I filmed myself around. And I remember I'd go for my a walk and I'd review in my head. And I thought, you know what? 2003 was this great year. It was a brilliant year. But really... And I was lying to myself. Really? You know what? I'd prefer to be in the here and now. I was lying to myself. 100%. But... I didn't really accept that at the time. You can sort of lie to yourself and get away with it. You really want to believe something. And I really wanted to believe that, no, 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 you're out of school now. You've got to move on with life. This is where we want to be. I'm glad we're in the modern era of 2004. But there's this sort of loneliness that comes back when I think about 2004. But also, despite that loneliness... Of what happened in the future, I would love to go back to this period. So Matt and Brody left, and um, this song came on by... uh, So, you know the song Drive by Incubus? I played that in the last couple of podcasts ago. They come out with another song, which was called... um, Talk Show on Mute. Talk Show's on Mute. mute. And... uh, I mean, no one knew it. I remember asking Matt and Brody, I said, guys, played on Hill FM all the time. I said, no, nah, never heard of it. And uh, it, it echoed. It, it represented that early post-Brody era. And uh, now when I hear it, I just think about 2004 so distinctly. You know, working in the wor- warehouse. And, you know, part of me likes to look back and think, you know, you were working in that warehouse, you know, you were trying to get your life together. Now, mate? A kid born right then would be 17. And in a few months' time, from this time of recording, they'll be 18. It's just uh, surreal to think about. They wouldn't even know of that period. This period that was once so modern. Take your mama out all night. Throwback to the 70s, that song. Plays on Woolworths Radio. That was a new release. Reminds me of that period. Things eventually did get better. Now, it was a a terrible dark time. I remember... You know, I just, I was working at the Star Discount House, but I only had, was only getting like three hours for four days work. So I was only getting paid a bit, but I'd saved up a lot of money. I didn't care for money too much. And I didn't even like working. I really did not like working. I was not a worker. I will do the bare minimum, and then that was it. And I eventually got good, but at this period, not yet. And uh, the the days were depressing because you'd spend the morning... um, you know, fucking around. I remember I made a friend at Scotland, Lisa Connor. I'd speak to her in the mornings. And uh, on a, on an MSN, you'd listen to a few songs. You might go for a walk. Oh, yeah. I'd go for a walk and I'd walk along where Brody used to live along the lane and reminisce. God, shocking. No wonder I thought this year was so horrible for so long. Walk past Matt's house, remembering the good old days of 2003. And then go to work from, what, one to four? Yeah. I have lunch when dad come home at 12 um, and work from one to four. And then I'd walk home. I always have a, some twisties on the way home too. Greedy bastard. And so what happened was, is that I was just in a, this depression. But this is where it sort of slowly gets better. Now, even though that pervaded the rest of the year, what I was doing there, what actually happened was something rather remarkable. So I used to, so at that point I started going out to the demo club and, uh, even though I didn't have anyone to go with, you know, and I'd never pick up, but just every now and again, something might happen. So this is what I think about in townsville. Why don't I just go into town and every very so often you might pick up or you might, something might happen. And then you go out and nothing happens. You're like, Oh, I don't want to do that again. So nothing happens. So you don't do anything. It's just like these podcasts. It's like, dude, no one's listening to them. Like, a few people, sure. But this isn't going to turn into anything. And, and in any case, you're not talking professionally enough for it to turn into anything. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing it anyway. Um, although I don't know if I'll do that with the girls and uh, going to town. But anyway. Um, so I started going to town and uh, a girl at the time, Amy Elise, came up to me and said, do you want to be in a film? And it was a short film. And I went and did that, and I was in a short film, so that was cool, I did some acting that way. Um, I got into um, a play for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and um, that was really good, Amy Elise was in that as well. So, so much fun, that Rocky Horror Picture Show gig, fantastic, and then in late 2004, because I loved acting so much, I auditioned for NIDA. I've already gone through that story. And I did really well, and I came back, and I was beaming, 2004 was really picking up. Uh, in the very start of 2005, um, oh, hang on, no, no, uh, October 2004, uh, Shane with the great Shane Nangeville, we slowly became friends. Bro- he became Brody's successor in Broken Hill. He became the big friend of that era. Uh, and the following year I became friends with Ashley Rush, who would be the second big friend of that era. And, uh, you know things were starting to change i was start i i remember trying to do some bar work at the northern there uh, the northern pub the northern and um i got some bar work there and there's a girl who i like working with i wanted a router <laughs> and um and um you know suddenly 2004 ended on this really optimistic note and uh Yeah, um, suddenly it's 2005 and so many... I mean, that's a new story. 2005 is a new story. But, you know, I got a different job. I eventually worked at the demo club. Things were picking up. That's not the topic of this conversation that I wanted to go into beyond 2005. Really, it's the next topic I'd talk about is oh four onwards. But, you know... The, the there's this, there's this perception nowadays that 2003 was great. and Brody will say the same thing, and it was. He's not wrong, 2003 was a great year to a certain extent. The aspects of it were truly remarkable, but it's everything else that was littered around it that really made for, it, it was a hard slog to get through now that I look back, and it was particularly hard because of um, uh, Jess not, not wanting me back. Uh, Sorry, I forgot to tell you one story about 03, and this will conclude the 03 part. Right at the end of 2003, okay, so we've gone through the Steve Leo party that didn't turn out to be any good. And um, this party was the year 12 after party. Oof, yeah. I remember, yeah, oh yeah, no, sorry, I did, but I didn't finish the story. Yeah, I drank a lot, my mum said she was deeply concerned. And I remember the after party. I I was too drunk. And I remember I went to Ainsley Harris's house where the after party was. Everyone was out the back. I remember this pale moonlight over us. And I was too drunk. And I went out around the front and I hid under one of the cars and I just stayed there. I was feeling sick. And I stayed under there until I sort of felt better, which I never really did. I remember the next day, Matt said, oh, mate, that was one of the best parties I've ever been to. And I remember thinking that was one of the worst. And that's how my life kind of is. It's this kind of weird feeling. And it wasn't until many years later that I finally recognised what I didn't like about 2003. So it's a difficult year to sort of rank for me. At once, it's one of these pinnacle years. It's one of the postmark years. It's like one of these years that you can bring up with Milno and really talk about and have a really good time about there were some brilliant aspects of it but the the darker aspects including the Sarah Treneri incident I mean I was shaking the next day I had to go to work it was a really you know that was what was going on outside mentally what was going on around the 2003 period just was not was not a good place and it was in 2004 that things slowly changed so Now, you know, you become friends with Shane Nankerville. You're in a couple of acting plays. You're going to audition for NIDA. Um, You're you're doing some filming by yourself at home. Um, You're drinking different types of alcohol. You're getting more into beer. Uh, Suddenly, I realised that I liked Ford Mustangs. For years, I didn't like cars. I remember there was a question that was asked in high school, year 11 maybe. He said, what's your favourite type of car? What kind of car would you have if you could have any car? And I remember writing like, oh, cars don't really... I don't really care for them. Give me a stock standard Ford Falcon, that'll do me. What, really, really? Suddenly I got interested in cars in late 04. Or oh, not late 04, mid, mid 04. I'm, and I'm not a car head, don't get me wrong. I'm not that interested in cars at all, but we do want a cool looking car still. <laughs> and that Ford Mustang 1967 GT Fastback, it became the car to get. Dad gave me the movie Bullet for my 19th birthday in 2004. And even though, I mean, I was 19, man, it's an old fucking movie, 1968. But in the years since, I've come to appreciate the movie a lot. And the car chase, whilst uh, a little bit old by today's standards, even though four standards, I-, I love to watch it. It is a show-off of the car. It's porn for the car. Um, and, uh, you know, music I started to like in a different way. I, I didn't like... Phil Collins was uncool. Gary Newman was uncool. But blur were cool gorillas were cool in early 04 on music max song 2 came on and there it was i thought mate that is that is a cool that's just a cool song look at the film clip the name of the band the song everything about that to me is the epitome of cool um and then a little while later i heard the song clint eastwood by gorillas now i didn't really like it but i realized one thing that I like, and this is what Cars by Gary Newman has too, is an extended outro where there's no lyrics. I like it when a song just goes for it, just repeats something. It's like they say, you know what? This sounds cool. We're just going to repeat it at the end. I like when songs do that. There's only a few songs that can get away with it, mind you, but Clint Eastwood is one of those songs. And I remember I was doing a car service at work and um, I came back in. And I thought, geez, this song is still going. And so I found out that both singers of Blur Song 2, the Woohoo Hoo song, and Clint Eastwood, mate, they're the same person. So I looked him up a bit further. You suddenly realise that Blur were actually a huge band and that Song 2 was a bit of an aberration um, for them. But that was their big popular song. They're not very popular outside the UK. And yet, in the UK, they are a very big band. I thought, wow. And then you think Gorillas, And then he went on to do Gorillas, and then they became big in the UK, but also big in the US. Now, Gorillas released Demon Days, their big album, in 2005. So I got into them at the exact right time. Like, the timing of all these things was perfect. And so, I yeah, just things were slowly getting together. And I saw that Damon Albarn, who was the um, frontman of both Blur and Gorillas, had this cool necklace on. And I thought, oh, why? Of course, how do you become... What would you do if you wanted to be cool? Well, you'd listen to this kind of music and you'd, of course, you'd wear a neck... Let's just be cool. I Suddenly, I just wanted to be cool. I no longer... Finally, I'd found the inner me who wanted to be cool. I've never been trendy, i.e. like I don't look at trends of the modern, like what's going on here and now necessarily. But... When I see something that looks cool, I'll go for it. Whether that is be the 60s, if I see something from the 60s, I think, fuck, that's cool, I'll take that. That's the kind of person I am. But it is cool in some way sort of thing. And so that is what 2004 gave me. 2003 didn't. 2003 just ended on this bum note where I still like Gary Newman and I still was in love with Jess Picken and there was nothing cool about it. It was this bad, bad period and 2004 was suddenly this light of hope. And I don't really like to say this in any kind of negative way, but having Brody and Matt go gave you this palate cleanser where you could go out and make new friends. I had no friends suddenly. And you could suddenly go out and create your own life. Um yeah, and I did. It was it was great. Like literally you could create your own world. And I did, and it was really it was really something. And I remember, you know, for years, I still saw 2004 as the bad year, although it did have a good ending. Um, now, I just look back and say that was an 8 out of 10 years, and also probably the key, key year of my life, too. 2005 may well be the greatest year of all time, but I didn't do any acting in 2005. 2004 was where it was really all at. And now in 2021, late 2021, um, going into 2022... I want to make 2022 the greatest year. Well, as good as I can possibly make it. I I want to go proper healthy. I want to exercise. I want to listen to Triple J. I want to go see movies. I want to read books. I want to be a little bit more patient. I want uh, not to get angry at people saying forehead or watching the new Spider-Man movie. There's certainly things that I'm going to criticise when they're over there, there, but that's part of my makeup. But I'm going to be a little bit more easygoing with it. And so that's what I want for the future. And that's why 2004 is a bit of a template for that. Now, it won't be like that. I can't even pretend that, you know, 2022 is going to be in the reincarnation of 2004. But 2004 will be in my mind when I'm going through this year. Um, Just to be a little bit cooler, a little bit... uh, more going just live my life as best as I possibly can. And hopefully 2022, by the end of it, that I can say, you know, I did my best foot forward acting and I know the kind of uh, course that I want to do for the future to eventually get to where I want to be. Let's just go all out, Sean. Let's go all out. Let's see how far you could get. Imagine someone... So this is why, and I'll finish off on this note. There's a scene in the movie Fight Club, right? And this is which I, what I wish people could have in their life. I certainly wish I could have in my life. So hang on, before I get to that. So I could say, like, how far could I get into life? Could I become Brad Pitt? Well, probably not, but that, that's, don't look at it like that. Um, how far could I go? It's a bizarre thing. Just how far could you technically go if you went absolutely all out? Now the, there's plenty of things that's gonna stop you from going all out. It's a lot more comforting to just watch a bit of YouTube, hop in the pool, watch a movie, have some drinks. But if I really cut all that out and just went for it absolutely and, you know, did everything right, how far could I go? It makes you wonder, sure. And you think, well, maybe I could actually do really well. Okay, let's assume that. Let's assume that if you did actually do everything 100%, that you could get there. All right. Oh, you know, you can get a bit excited about that. You think, okay, good. All I have to do is just go for it. But here's the thing. Yeah, all, all I have to do is just go for it. Like, are you really going to go for it? Like I said, I want to drink. I want to hop in the pool. I want to have a good time. What's the thing that's going to motivate you? And this is why the movie Fight Club is so good. There's a scene in Fight Club, Raymond. Brad Pitt's character goes out. He grabs Raymond, who works as a clerk in a convenience store. And he pops him down on the ground, puts the gun to the back of his head and says, Raymond! What, do you want to, what did you want to do in your life? He says, I don't know. Come on, tell me. Would you, would you rather die here the, on your knees in a convenience store? Tell me. And he says he wanted to be a, become a uh, vet. And long story short, Brad Pitt says, okay, I've got your license. If you're not on your way to becoming a vet in the next six weeks, Raymond, you will be dead. <laughs> And off he runs. Edward Norton's character says to him, what what was the point of that? Brad Pitt simply just says something along the lines of, uh, his breakfast tomorrow will taste better than any breakfast we have ever tasted. I can't remember really what else he says, but the point is, it's like, he has a purpose now. He's got to become a vet. He has got to do his dreams. Because if he doesn't, he'll be dead. The only thing that can motivate me now to becoming a famous movie actor is saying, Sean, you're going to be dead soon. I said on a podcast a little while ago, I had a dream where I sort of woke up from and I got extremely panicked that I'm going to die. And I am going to die and I'm going to die alone because we all die alone. You might be with friends and family around, but in that mental state of yours, if you close your eyes, it's just you, man. And it's a scary thought. It's something that we try and push out of our minds. It's possibly something that we we should keep as well. I was reading about Terence McKenna. And he started an aggressive brain tumor and it took him several months. And I just thought, fuck, how horrible would that be? I could not go on lit. I can't go on enjoying myself if I know something bad's going to happen. But Terence McKenna said... You'll have to look up who he is. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, he uh, said it was a... Re- like, I thought I was just going to die in a truck accident. It'll all be over and that would be good. I'm actually really blessed that I had these few months to say goodbye to it all. You have to embrace it, man. You have to embrace it. You are going to die. It's going to come to an end one day. All this, you think, oh, I'm going to keep breathing. no, no. no. It's all going to end. You have this limited amount of time. What are you going to do? And this is why I get so anxious probably recently is because I'm not doing anything in my life and I know what I want to do. I just wish Brad Pitt could put a gun to my head. I wish I had that. Maybe it'll slowly click. I'm slowly getting the clicking things. They're slowly kicking in now, but that's what I feel like it's really needed. It's something on the back of my head. In the meantime, I will keep on progressing like I am, keeping 2004 in the back of my mind, so to speak. So, that was my rant about 2003, 2004, and going into 2022. Thanks for listening.